All right, everybody. What's up? How you doing? How's your day? How you feeling? Welcome to the 180 with Eric Lockley. I'm your host, Eric Lockley. And there are moments in life that define us, that lead us to a crossroads where we have to choose one path or another path that is completely different. So join me as we dive into our guest turning points. Let's laugh, heal, and be inspired together as we pull back the curtain on how our guest made the 180. Sometimes life gets hard when you're on your journey. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around. The 180, yes, it's a big change. The 180, your life won't be the same. The 180, you can do it. Say yes to your beautiful future. The 180, yeah. 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 It's the 180, and we got Joseph Collier. Okay, you know what? I can't even believe I didn't ask you this before. How do you say your last name? Because I'm going to be saying it and just judging myself. So how do you say your last name? Just ignore the letters. And uh-huh. it's Kuye. Kuye. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah ignore the letters. That's, I, you have done this before. Ignore the letters. Joseph Kuye. Okay. Well, we got Joseph Kuye in the house. And I'm going to tell you all a little something about Joseph Kuye. He is a New Orleans-based artist, designer, educator, and the co-director of the Black School and Black Love Fest. His interdisciplinary practice explores social practice, education, textile art, installation, digital image making, and design. His visual work engages with fashion as architecture, abstraction as a technology, and Black radical pedagogy to disconnect history and create counter-narratives. I love that. Like, really? Truly? We'll talk more about that. Um, Kouye's work has been exhibited and presented in galleries and museums, such as the New Museum, the Bronx Museum, the MoMA Library, Columbia University, and Pratt Institute. Kouye was previously a part-time faculty member at Parsons and Pratt, and we are just excited to have a chat with this <laughs> part-time faculty member, formerly of Pratt, um, today on the 180. <laughs> so join us in welcoming uh, Joseph Kouye. How are you today? Good. Good. Short answer. Yeah. <laughs> are you in New Orleans right now? Yeah, I'm in New Orleans. Uh, I live here. I'm a New Orleans resident officially. Uh, this is my second month being an official New Orleans resident. Oh, official. Well, what made it official as opposed to unofficial? Because um, I have a home. I pay rent. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, understandable. I'm not just like staying at family house or, uh-huh. you know, visiting for the summer or whatever. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm used to. You're officially there. Okay, well, yeah. here at the 180, we love to play games. So uh, I'm excited to play this game with you because uh, who knows how it's going to go. But I get to be silly and uh, you, get to, you get to get something right or wrong. We're going to see. We're going to see. It's game time on the 180. The name of the game is music mixed with art. All right. True or false? Nat King Cole had a piano ballad released in 1950 titled Mona Lisa. Jesus, Nat. I thought you was going to ask me about the Lils or the Babies. Like, you didn't ask me about Nat King Cole. Mm-hmm, Nat King I'm going to say yes. 
Oh, okay. So you see, that's true. Okay. True. I'm gonna say true. That is correct. Nat King Cole did, in fact, have a piano ballad released in 1950 titled "Mona Lisa." Just because I want to. These are some of the lyrics. Do you smile to tempt a lover, Mona Lisa? Or is this your way to hide a broken heart? Hey, he tapped into the spirit. Tapped into the spirit. You know? um, okay, next question. Coldplay had a song titled Viva La Viva, inspired by a painting of the same name. Do you know who the painter was? Some French dude. <laughs> that is that is incorrect oh gosh that buzz was ridiculous aggressive yeah it really was um it was frida kahlo uh, oh okay. i know i know i wish i, I remember that a album cover i don't know the song i haven't yeah. heard the song but i remember that album and that album cover and it was like a like French. It, it was like a French yeah. flag on it, right? In my... I think so. So you you made sense. You made your incorrect answer. I tried make to sense. connect, right? That Understandable. Was, if you can justify no it, <laughs> if you can justify it, always makes it better. This seventies and eighties pop rock phenom played Andy Warhol uh, in a nineteen eighty something Basquiat biopic. And he also has a song entitled Andy Warhol. I think 70s, 80s, pop rock. He could potentially look like Andy Warhol with a white wig. Uh, look, you're asking me about stuff I do not listen to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I'm a, I, okay, I, okay. This, this will help. He was in a few movies in the 80s. The Labyrinth was very... Was probably the most famous movie. David Bowie. Yes. Really? Oh my God. Okay. Got it. Yeah, he played uh, Andy Warhol, and he has a, a song titled "Andy Warhol." Okay. I wouldn't have guessed if you didn't give me that. Hint. <laughs> I try to be prepared with hints and clues. I would have said Lou Reed. Just again. Uh huh. I'm making dots. I know the Velvet Underground fucked with like. The, uh -huh. the uh, Andy Warhol kind of movement, the factory. Yeah. Did they play him in a movie? No, but I'm just no. trying to make connections. That's that's all we can do. Try to make connections. Okay, next question. This artist designed a cover that was all the rage when Lady Gaga's album Art Pop came out in 2013. The lead single to the album was Applause. Do you know who the artist was who designed the cover? Again. <laughs> Shit, I don't listen to. <laughs> um, I'm gonna try to think just of a pop artist in the Jeff Koons. Wow, yeah. I mean, I really was concerned because you were like, I don't know, but then you got it right. Yes, it was Jeff wait, Koons. that was right. That's correct. Yeah. See connections. Yeah. See you. You okay? Because this was a test of both. Knowing the artist and you know the recording artist, but also the artist artist, and you know the artist artist, you knew it, you knew it. Um, in my heart, in my in heart, heart, the spirit connect, I tapped into the spirit. Now, this is probably the part of the game that's really just for me once again. Um, I'm just gonna do an impression and I want you to tell me, if, yeah, I want you to guess who it is. Here we go. Oh, okay. I'm nervous about this. Okay, here we go. I just want a Picasso in my casa. No, my castle. I'm a hustler. No, I'm an oh. asshole. Yeah, okay, you got it. Yes. <laughs> okay. 
we made it to something I listened to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that was. I know. I know old music. <laughs> Do you know the title of that song? I mean, Picasso, baby. Yes, correct. Yes, okay. You're you're getting it. Yeah. Hope. Um, most incredible. Uh, this is a controversial album, but I liked some mm-hmm. some joints off it because yes. of baby being one of them. Okay, next and final question. Yeah, this is the final question. Do you know which recording artist's 2016 music video for his song "Famous" was inspired by American artist Vincent Desiderio's "Sleep," which is a 24 foot long painting of nudes on a bed? Yay. Yes. Yay. Yep. It is Kanye West. Rest in peace, my good brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kanye is somewhere else. Yeah, he's he's gone. We have. He's he's a different. He's tapped into a different type of spirit. Like. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Yes, yeah, so we've mentioned Kanye a few times on this podcast, and every time he gets a reaction, like, yeah. Oh, so no for me, dog. <laughs> yes. Well, I feel like you you did you did well with this, you know. Um, you did you did well. So you know your art and you know things about recording artists, and you're gonna get a mug. Awesome. You're gonna get a the 180 podcast mug. So get awesome. ready to. Y'all got mugs. Yeah, uh, we got mugs. We got mugs. Now I want to continue to just get to know you a little bit. Which movie? has made you laugh the most this can be recent this can be when you were six years old but what's a movie that made you laugh like? coming to america yes <laughs> that distinction probably should it shouldn't be necessary shouldn't but have to it shouldn't and and in a couple years we won't have to because <laughs> we'll all just like move on from from two we'll just forget about it absolutely true okay yes coming to america is and it's it's such a classic because I remember as a kid I saw it and I was like, oh yeah, it's funny. And then as an adult, I recognized certain jokes that I wouldn't have gotten as a kid. And it's really hilarious. Uh, but yeah, hilarious. I'm right there with you. Coming to America, so funny. Um, now imagine you could teleport anywhere. Where would you go right now? Um, Martinique. Mm. Now I've never been to Martinique and I don't even know what it's like and Martinique. Yeah. But um I heard from my dad a few years ago that my family immigrated to New Orleans from Martinique. Hmm. So since then it's been like top of my list of places I want to just visit and see if I could like you know find find yeah. some history of my wow. family. And then so how long? And, and even if I don't just like you know tap into the ancestors spirit. Yeah. And how long ago, like, was it the generation? Was it would it would it have been your grandfather's? Not your grandfather's. Would it have been your father's father? It would be my great great. Oh, okay. Great great bad generations, because my great grandfather lived in New Orleans. My grandfather mm-hmm. lived in New Orleans. Uh, Dad lives in Houston now, but he was born in Arizona, so it would be four. Wow. Okay. Four I think I think I went went to Martinique once. Uh, with my family, like on a cruise when I was like, oh, oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Did from what I remember, <laughs> I know, from what I remember, it was real, you know, island like. 
it was really we we're island, you know. Okay. So that's what I remember. And I would just like to go to an island period too. Like this year of like not traveling, uh, I never was like a oh I gotta travel type of person. But I think everything, you know, being deprived of everything, yeah, makes me appreciate everything, even shit like I would never want to do, like go to a club. I want to go to the club. <laughs> and you used to not be that guy. No, never. Just because I can't, it's like, yeah. okay, maybe I, I took, even if it was a little taking it for granted, maybe I took it for granted. Yeah. Yeah, it will be nice to be in a room with other people listening to loud music and mm-hmm. cool lights and just yeah. dancing. That'll be nice. Listening to Cardi B, yeah, standing on couches. <laughs> yes, yes. Why not? Um, now this is going to sound morbid, but whatever, pick an artist to play at your funeral. Who would you like to play at your funeral? Um, Sampha. Mm. Sampha. I, I could, yeah. Okay. My, my head went back old first, like the jazz and that, Mm -hmm. but if I'm if I'm in the like, oh, I want to listen to some sad movie music vibe, mm-hmm. I'm gonna listen to Sam. So I want I want that to be the sad music vibe. And he has upbeat too. So it right. could go from like the somber to the party, you know. Right. You could dance. So yeah. What's the what's your favorite song of his or one that sticks with you? Um, I think it's called Why Wouldn't I Be? Hmm. Okay, I need to listen to that. Um, off the the last album he dropped, he's due. He overdue. Yeah, but uh, it's like the last song on the last album. Okay. Why shouldn't I be something like that? I'm a, I'm definitely gonna look it up. But I I lo- I like his vibe, and I'm trying to think. I I can't think. Uh, his songs do certainly leave an impact, and his voice is so unique. It has a almost like a fleeting vibe. Like it's like ephemeral. It's like, ah. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I see why yeah. it could be right for a funeral. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a spell, you know, it's a good, it's a ritual. It's a good thing to have at a funeral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as I continue to get to know you and your artistry and who you are, what was it like um, growing up in Louisiana? Um, tell us about your childhood and how it led you to where you are now. Um, so to clarify, I left New Orleans when I was like, or my family left New Orleans when I was like five-ish. Oh, okay. So I don't have like a lot of memory of like mm-hmm. before that time. I mean, I always came back and forth, you know, family. Yeah. Both sides of my family. Mm-hmm. Holidays, birthdays, family get-togethers, summers, all that. Um but um, I, I grew up mostly in Baton Rouge and Houston. Okay. Um, so if I'm speaking to Baton Rouge, um, I think growing up was like, it's like really adventurous. You know, we, we ride our bikes everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. Like looking back, places we had no business. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah it was I, like sports. Where, where's, one of the, yeah, where's one of the places that you rode your bike where you like, we didn't need to be there. There was like this river. There was this river, but it was kind of industrial. Uh-huh. It was like, imagine like concrete re- re- rebar, like just sticking out of it. Like, <laughs> like 
tetanus shots. That's what I think. Uh, right. <laughs> and we used to go and we used to swim in that river. We ride like because <laughs> we we lived in like the subdivision. Um, but it was kind of mm-hmm. yeah. surrounded by like a lot of nature, you know, like it was it was definitely not the country, but like you could you could come across some woods, some rivers if you if you rode out uh-huh. a little further um, but yeah, it was a lot of sports. It was me and my stepbrother. We used to be like road dogs. Mm. Um, used to go everywhere. It was my cousin, my sister. We always used to really quick. We always had fun together, even when we were like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah, button heads. Um, my parents like worked. You know, I came from like not like a. a we definitely weren't poor or I don't know. Let me say, let me say we were on the, <laughs> in my opinion, my mom. Right. <laughs> right. <Huh? laughs> but in my opinion, we were on the lower end of uh-huh. middle class. And to be at that place, my parents worked. Um, so yeah, it was like a lot of us together, you know, and they weren't kind of around as much. You know, um, yeah. So kind of like you know the kids with the lanyard on the key around their neck. You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, latch latchkey kids. Yeah, y'all were taking care of each other. It was like, okay, you you fourteen, you eleven, <laughs> he's uh-huh. seven, and yeah. we just gonna make it. <laughs> we we gonna take care of each other. Make it right, work. We gonna make it work. And then it was like going visit family in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad lived in California for a while so it's like going out there visited so it was a lot of like traveling but not like traveling like we think of it now like you go to caribbean it's like traveling to see family so yeah yeah around the gulf coast Hmm. and california you know houston and so i was seeing different things too yeah yeah well i was gonna ask what is an experience with art I mean, it sounds like you definitely moved around a lot. So what's an experience with art that you feel like was really impactful to kind of lead you to where you are now? I I don't think, no, capital F, capital A, fine art was like a part of my life until Mm -hmm. college, until like I was going out and exploring the world Mm -hmm. for myself for the first time as an adult. Um, But I think for me, like artists much more expansive, especially when you're talking about blackness, you know, I think you need to be, have a wider idea of what art is. So one thing I remember is, so my family, we used to tailgate, we used to uh, go to Southern football games, like Mm -hmm. every home game, the whole season, we like barbecue, we do seafood boils we'll fry fish we'll do everything it was like the that. most and it was like every weekend so it's like wait when i look back on it i'm like that was crazy you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but my mom like one day my mom came in with like a an arm full of clothes like fubus and such sean dons and tommies and polos you know stuff we used to wear then yeah and dropped them on my bed and like oh okay you're straight for the whole season you're gonna look fresh every weekend nice and that was like i think 
growing up in a household like that kind of yeah gave me this built the kind of kind of sewership mm. of fashion yeah and by extension art and design you know mm. so i think that's one of my first if i'm thinking about an expansive idea of art that was one of my first memories that was like okay this is a way of life for us in our family yeah. you know totally and i i love what you said Oh, describing, you know, the outfits that your mother would pull out and the, the choices around like what was purchased, because that's, you know, what you wear on your body, what's purchased for you, the event that that is creating context around. It's all cultural expression. You know what I mean? It's like, OK, we're going tailgating. <laughs> and I want you to look like something, you know, <laughs> and yeah. And so that cultural expression that is so exactly natural you know to a certain extent um i think we sometimes it sometimes it's easy to dismiss it as okay well we just live in but it's like that is that's expression that is art that is artwork that is there is decision making around that and um thoughtful decision making around that and that is that is art you know what i mean um, yeah that's a, a appreciation of design like mm -hmm. like i don't I don't think it was about like, oh, it's FUBU, that's the brand. You know, I think it was like, oh no, these people are designing the dopest shit right now. So mm -hmm. we're gonna wear that because that's what's that's what's the that's the front, you know, that's the vanguard. That's the, mm, yeah. the you know, the front of the pack as far as design goes right now. Yeah. And so in terms of the journey with art, I know you also you know, discuss and with the black school prominently discuss radical black political theory. <laughs> so like, tell us about the meeting of those ideas. It's like, okay, there's art, there's design and there's radical black political theory. Somewhere in my mind, I get how it all works and how you can talk about all of it. But yeah, tell us more about how, how you do that. Um, so I think a better example would be like, um, looking at the Panthers and mm -hmm. they there's so there was a lot of radical black organizations from that that time period you mm -hmm. know but but the Panthers stuck with us mm -hmm. and I think uh, one component of that is their visual culture their mm -hmm. you know yeah. the visual culture they created yeah. you know like the it outfits. was the outfits mm -hmm. the berets right. the, the newspaper Right you know, and the the graphic style that was developed by Emory Douglas mm -hmm. and you know the portraiture you know we all know that that wicked right. cheer you can't go to a baby shower without that wicked <laughs> yes. cheer and that wicked cheer was part of black culture before Huey sat in it right but he sat in it because like this is the striking image oh, yeah. of blackness that is like is resonant with our people mm -hmm. you know to sit in that African throne, essentially what it is. Yes. Um, so I think in that you can see how art and design and culture are intertwined with radical movements. Yes. But I think in this, in this world we live in today, there have been so many decades of people stripping that 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 radical theory in practice mm -hmm. practice is, 
is the most important part of that. They've been stripping that out of, you know, the, the visual culture of blackness. They've been stripping that out of like hmm. um, the, the style, the fashion. They've been stripping it out of the art and the design. Um, and you'll see somebody dressed up like a panther preaching capital. Right. You yes. know, and uh, yes. they were a socialist organization. Yeah. You know, so ain't no way to dress up like a panther and 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 leave. Well, there is a way. People do it all the right. time. People do it, but yes. <laughs> but I think it's it's our mission to place that that political consciousness back in our art and our design yeah so that you know we are harnessing our true power because we we are a creative people Mm -hmm. you know my homeboy Corey always tell me it's like yo the black people in america turn their hat backwards and the whole globe turns their hat backwards Mm -hmm. yeah you know so we have that influence through our art and our culture and our design then what would the world look like if we put that that radicality back into the art and the culture and design and use that as like this is what we're preaching as opposed to preaching mm-hmm. black capitalism or whatever else or yeah um, or whatever it is whatever theory you know, that's is moving through the art. Yeah. or black pain or black death you know Oof. Yes. Oh gosh. Oh, I could go on a rant about that. Yeah, because I I think it's so important that um, you know, blackness and black people were not a monolith, but it is important to consider how we are either continuing to uh, <laughs> to pour into the systems that are oppressing us, or are we really working to be counter to say, hey, we don't endorse this. We we're not living by these standards we're not mm-hmm. we're yeah we're not going to play by we're not going to play your game you know and in it's uh and we the best player on the court so we ain't playing the game you know right the the fans coming with us yeah. you know like nobody yeah. wants to see you uh do pick and rolls and and do your layups <laughs> nigga. we we want to see niggas dunking we <laughs> <laughs> We want to see alley hoops and all that. So if we take our ball. Yeah. The fans are coming with us. I love that. Yes. We take our ball and go home. You know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of money not being made. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of attention not being paid. So I think if we, we tie our participation and whatever it may be to our, our liberation, you know, like I ain't showing up for buying free. Um, I think we can. <laughs> yes. That's where I'm not showing. I ain't showing up if I'm not free. Yes. So yeah, I think if we, we again, we put that, that political consciousness back into the art and design. And I'm talking about art and design because that's what I'm trained as. That's the skills I have to offer, mm-hmm. you know, but I think that could apply to everything. And um, because people will be listening to this and are not able to see, uh, describe like one of your favorite exhibits or, or one of your favorite projects um, for the listeners. Um, we talked about Ryan Dennis. I think uh, Project Row Houses was like super yeah. kind of formative 
like growing up in Houston when I did, I went to high school and college. And just because you, because you mentioned Ryan before we started recording, I just want to mention Ryan was a guest on the show. So if you haven't listened to Ryan's episode, please make sure to listen to the episode with Ryan Dennis. I loved it. It was so, so fun and such uh, so many great revelations and a great conversation. Yeah, it was dope. I loved it. I loved hearing about Ryan's journey. Um, I already loved her work, but kind of didn't know the process that led her up to the work and like hearing about family history it was all like it got a little misty eye you know but oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a that was a great episode so if you haven't uh listened to the ryan dennis episode make sure to check that out yeah please do but yeah um so project row houses is this art project that is now this art institution this black art institution um and it started out um, one of the one of the many people that came together, uh, Rick Lowe, to make this project. Um, he was getting a studio visit, from what I hear. He was getting a studio visit from young people in the neighborhood. And this the neighborhood is Third Ward, um, mm. a historically black neighborhood, right in the middle of Houston. And the young folks were like, instead of painting the problems in our community, how about you take your creativity as a creative person and apply that to the problems? Like we know what's wrong. Right. We, we don't need <laughs> you to tell us that. Yeah. You know, I think your your skills, your gifts, you know, um, and your your resources could be directed to doing something about it. Yeah. Um, or at the very least, like raising something create a conversation, you know? Um, and in what he did in collaboration with a bunch of different artists um, was start renovating these dilapidated, like abandoned row houses mm. uh, in a neighborhood. And they were turned into art spaces. Um, they were turning to housing. Um, now they have like the housing for young mothers program. They have all of this business development, you know. Um, yeah. They have um, art art uh, spaces where different Black artists can come and, and share their work with the community of Third Ward. And they're very intentional about, like, um, preserving the culture because just like every other Black neighborhood in the middle of... Uh, a, a major urban city. It's being gentrified, yeah. third ward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they're really intentional about holding space, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so growing up with that project mm -hmm. as like yeah. an example of fine art in my city kind of warped my idea of fine art. Like I didn't mm -hmm. see paintings before I saw Project Rojas. Mm, yeah. So I'm growing up thinking, oh, this is fine art. And paintings are too, but this is essential. This is at the center of what fine art is. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So I think that affected how I approach art and design. And I and, and then it's a project that's like not a part of the museum and gallery system. Right. So if I just saw paintings of sculptures first, I would think, oh, 
no fine artists, essentially the museum gallery system. Right. Mm -hmm. And a, a community art project like that is, you know, a part of some ghetto, you know, a part of some like. Uh -huh. Yeah. Like, yeah, like that's cute. That's nice. Yeah. Some like right. small, younger stepbrother of fine art, you know, a stepsister. But really, it wasn't that. It was, mm. in, in in my opinion, it's not that. I, I feel like it's the true potential that we have as artists to not only see the world and, and, and reflect what we see, but transform the world, you know? Yeah. I, I have faith in that. I believe that we, we have that ability, you know, if we so choose to tap into it. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you've done um I, recently or not uh that you feel like really gave you the opportunity to throw out your hand at at, at transforming the world i mean it's ambitious to say but it's real you know we're trying our work can transform the world so yeah is there's something that you've done recently that you feel like okay we did it we, we're doing it i feel like i won't i won't say I'll leave it up to somebody else to say <laughs> if my work is transforming the world. Yeah. But my intention behind mm -hmm. everything I do is that, like, I'm always yeah. looking at that as the goal of the work. You know, if I fall short, then I fall short. But that's what I'm striving for. That's the finish line I'm striving to get to, you know. And I think... Um, an example of a work that I think was like just dope in that respect. Um, I think we, we, so to come full circle um, in 2019, we did black love fest at in collaboration with project roadhouses oh, nice. in third ward at a park there, emancipation park. Um, and because, yeah, tell us more about Black Love Fest. So Black Love Fest is a, a one day art music festival that uh, we produce as the Black School. Uh, we've done three to date. Um, and that was the last one before, obviously, the world shut down. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, it was like, okay, I, I've learned all these things. I've been inspired by this, this work, this project, Project Rogers. Um, I put it all through my filter, you know, went out into mm -hmm. the world, moved to New York, went to grad school, met my wife, boom, 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 started the black school. And through all that filtering of these ideas, we started doing Black Love Fest. We didn't create Black Love Fest, but we started, we brought it to New York. Mm -hmm. Um, but folks have been doing it for the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, different folks in different places. But um, that was kind of me coming home and being like, the lessons you taught me, you know? Mm, yeah. The lessons you taught me, these are the fruits of that, of those lessons, you know? And I can contribute to what you're doing. I can give, you know, something back of everything that's been given me, you know? Yeah. And in Black Love Fest, the, the intention behind it is like Black folks, we need to love up on each other, you know, but also this country owes us love, mm, yeah. you know, not just tolerance or not just like whatever, whatever 
you know, we're fighting for justice, accountability. No, all of that is on the low end of the spectrum of what we deserve. Right. You know? <laughs> totally. Cause haven't we not earned it? Haven't we not earned love? <laughs> yeah it's like don't just give us don't give us crumbs like we we deserve love yeah totally and that's like the radical like idea behind this movement we're trying to start for black love it's not just our community yes but this 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 country this planet you know we've contributed we've brought back our fruits you know and and and, and, mm-hmm. and built this world that we are living in. Um, so we should be centered. This country should pay reparations. Yes. Um, should yeah. dissolve itself. <laughs> <laughs> reconstitute. Yeah, yeah. Under the idea of black love. Yeah. In native love, brown love. You know, all the folks who contributed and made this place what it is. Yeah. Are old and they're and that that death is due, you know. Hallelujah. And it was, and specifically with the Black Love Fest, there's um, music, there's art, there I there's food, there's it's it's yeah. a festival, it's a beautiful festival, and you see, you ex- it's an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's experience for the whole family, for everybody that loves Black people. It's we and it's it's a part of an ecosystem too. Like we have the Black Love Fest. It's like um, we teach art, design, activism. Mm. We have uh, Black Love. We have the Black School. Did I say that right? We have the Black School mm-hmm. where we teach art and activism. Um, we have Black Love Fest where we exhibit the work that we made over a course of the year. Mm. And we also like invite, you know, the community in to see what we've been doing. Um, we invite professional artists to come and have an audience amongst their people where they can like do installations and activations. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine artists, that's fashion artists. Um, and then we have uh, the Black School Studio, which is like full service design firm. Mm-hmm. We, nice. we take on clients, uh, we offer design services, branding, web design, everything. Um, and with the black school, because you know people might want to enroll today. Do people? Is it is it local or is it now online? I mean, given uh, um, is circumstances. so is both. We focus yeah. on being hyper local, mm-hmm. but right now we're in a transition period where, like, we just moved from Harlem to New Orleans. Um, Mm -hmm. so, and we don't have a physical location, the purpose of coming here, um, professionally, the purpose of coming here was to build a schoolhouse for the black school. Um, and we raised the money, but the process is the process. So we need to, you know, find land, um, talk to the community, make sure that like whatever we're building is what they need. We need to build it, and then like you, you can come. But for now, it's like, <laughs> but for now, it's like we're we're kind of there's no open enrollment, you know? Right, right, okay, okay. We're we we have some programming with Xavier. We're gonna do a, a graphic design, fashion, 
and um, art direction kind of uh, program with, with young folks uh, here in New Orleans. Um, folks that have been, young folks that have had interactions with the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so if you are in that particular group, you know, yeah. holler at us. Yeah. Um, but going forward in the future, there'll be like, once we actually have space, there'll be after school program. There'll be um, Saturday classes, you know, for the whole community. Mm-hmm. There'll be events. There'll be a gallery. There'll be a maker space with a computer lab folks can use. There'll be yes. a, a community garden. So there'll be a lot of places where people can like, there'll be Black Love Fest. There'll be the design apprenticeship, which is like what we teach youth to, to um, what we, we pay them to teach them to learn design and art direction. Yes. So, and, that, and that's amazing. I mean, I think about, you know, programs that are like, hey, show up um, for free and give us your time to potentially maybe perhaps learn or get ahead. And it's like rethinking that system and say, wait, your time is worth some money worth compensation even even at 15 even you know what i mean yeah. um and that i think that's that's wonderful that's really uh a great lesson to start teaching kids at a young age and in and in in different economic you know with different economic backgrounds it's really important to say your time is valuable and we'll pay you for that um yeah that's like our kind of decolonizing idea of what the school is like Mm. there's a lot of issues that show up in the school that aren't the fault of the school but if we want to like make the school serve our young people we have to acknowledge those issues Mm. and like so we want we want to teach you about art design um black activism we have to acknowledge that if you are here with me after school or if you're here with me in the summer, that means you're not at a job flipping burgers or bagging groceries. Right. That means you're not bringing money into the household that is needed, you know? So my program is only going to serve a particular group mm-hmm. of youth if yeah. I don't acknowledge that. And it's not going to serve the youth that most need my program, mm-hmm. you know? In I'm not saying that the art and design itself isn't valuable, but I have to acknowledge that there's a real world outside of art and design. And there's economic forces that govern who gets to participate in art and design. You know, capital F, capital A, fine art, you know. Yeah. Well, given the amount of, you know, you have the Black School, Black Love Fest, and then you've had your your own work featured at the Bronx Museum, MoMA, Columbia University, New Museum. What is, for all that you've done, what is the moment that you felt like, okay, there's a transition. There's, this is a 180 for me. I was here and I got to figure out how to get, how to turn things around. Um. It's, I've been thinking about this and it's difficult because like there's been a lot of moments. 
Mm-hmm. Um, as it relates to art and design, I think there was a moment in college where I didn't really know what you know I wanted to study. Um, I hopped from biology because that seemed like um, what was expected of me, you know. Be <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. It sounded like somebody in your family said, oh, like, you know, science. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Be a doctor. You yeah, know, yeah. you know um, but obviously that wasn't my purpose because I'm yeah. not doing it. Um, and I was kidding myself because I ain't never liked science. So <laughs> I don't even know like why I was playing games. And then I went to business and it wasn't necessarily like, oh, this is my purpose. It was more so it's like with business, I can do a lot of different things, you know, mm-hmm. so I yeah. can. I can figure out like what type of business I want to learn. And maybe that business is in alignment with, you know, whatever I'm passionate about, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, but that wasn't really it. And then like, at some point I kind of started developing this interest in art and design. And, and it was like, Mm -hmm. first it was like sneaker culture and graffiti and stuff like that. Um, so like, a, and did it take you a moment in that sense? Did it take you a moment to realize that that was art and design, or were you already at that point like, yes, this is art and design. This isn't just. I think it was a definitely a process because it was like, you know, I, I got into street art and I started doing that, and then I was like, well, this isn't sustainable. So I started tagging mm. like these these kind of. Um, the stencil graffiti around my universe. Oh, okay, cool. And and it started like going up. It like it started like it was it was the conversation. It was a lot of conversation. Uh huh. The school newspaper started to write about it, and it was like and it, and folks didn't know it was. I assume folks didn't know it. Was no, no, right? it was all anonymous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in the 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 paper was like, you know, you're going to get arrested in so many words, right? <laughs> and i was like wait you you got a you got a point (laughs) so maybe (laughs) i should maybe i should find another outlet for this creativity so then it it, and what what type of stuff was it was it words was it like a symbol yeah it was mostly text it was text and symbol it was Hmm. okay it's really goofy okay i'm excited you know Uh (laughs) (laughs) but it was like this little like kind of geometric drawing of a robot uh-huh. and it was the phrase don't be a robot <laughs> and the idea was like yeah don't conform you know very basic level uh-huh. i'm a college student you know <laughs> i think i know something you know and i'm gonna make a political a quote-unquote political statement you know but uh it was impactful it was, it impactful, was impactful for sure. for sure there was conversation about it it did it did lend, uh, lead to that, but it kind of made me realize, okay, let me find another yeah. platform where I can place these ideas. Mm. And that led me to making t-shirts, putting the ideas onto t-shirts. Mm. Um, and like streetwear was like kind of having a renaissance at that moment. Mm. Like there was a lot of streetwear brands now i think the the market 
has narrowed down a little bit more and maybe mm-hmm. it's narrowed and expanded again. Um, but this is like around a time when like a lot of people were interested into sneaker culture and graphic tees yeah. and like and hype beats, you know, that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so that that kind of led me to graphic design because I had to learn Photoshop Illustrator to print the t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And then from there that led me to like, okay, let me read about the history of this discipline. Hmm. You know, so I'm learning about now at this point, you're still in college and studying business. Yeah, I'm still uh-huh. studying business, yeah. but in it, but really, my focus is like reading about the Bauhaus and reading about like mm. you know Swiss modernism and reading mm. about typography. Yeah, um, and and that kind of led me to to want to switch my major to design, but there was there was no design at my college. At that point, I went to yeah. a, a relatively small HBCU, uh, mm-hmm. Prairie View A&M University, right outside okay. Houston. And I think they have design now, but at the point they didn't. Yeah. So I took all of the art and design classes I could take, but it, there wasn't a major for it. Yeah. So that made me want to, or just come up with the idea of just going back to grad school. Yeah. You know, finishing up my degree and going to grad school immediately to study design. Mm. And that kind of led me on the path I'm on now. Well, I love that, like, you decided, you were clear on, you're like, all right, biology ain't it, business, it's going to give me some time. Mm. And then once you really discovered what your passion was, you know, some people sometimes are like, all right, I ain't going back to school <laughs> or I'm not studying it or I can just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. There are enough books in the library. But the fact that, you know, you, you started doing that research to discover more about it and then decided to commit to go to the grad school. I think that's definitely admirable because it shows how, um, how, how you were both committed to like doing it, but also learning, you know what I mean? Doing your research, going through a process that to a certain extent is proven, um and saying okay i'm gonna take this seriously so that i can take it to the next level yeah i think i think a part of it was like ignorance like i didn't know how much work it would be i was like oh i'm starting art design i love this it's not really Uh school but it really was school Uh uh-huh yeah 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 and also i think i feel like Mm. i'm a person that loves to learn i mean it has to be something i'm interested in yeah, but I think that was part of it too. Like I was really enjoying that time I spent learning about these things that I, I loved and I, I was passionate about. So it was like, even though it was difficult to mm-hmm. like put another two years on top of four years of school, yeah. um, I think the 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 love of it kind of yeah helped me through and. I'll ask this. I mean, in terms of it seems like who you who you were before kind of that moment of coming to the discovery of, um, you know, I want to do art and design. Who would you say you were before that and who would you say you became after that? Um, I think so. Purpose is a thing that I've kind of been thinking a lot about lately. I think the. Mm the 
the pandemic played a role in that because everybody had to slow down and really yes. like sit with themselves. And it, it allowed the opportunity to be like, okay, is am I living my purpose? What is my purpose? Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think my purpose was always there. But I think we all have to go on that journey where we realize, it, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So looking back, before, like now I'm an artist and I'm a designer, I'm in this place and I can hindsight. I, I've always been creating mm. and making things. Yes, yes. You know, and I've always been this person that was really comfortable if everybody was going in this direction, going in the other direction. Uh-huh. You know, I've <laughs> yeah. always been that person too. But I, I didn't. I don't think I, I saw it, you know? I don't think I, mm-hmm. or even if I saw it, I don't think I made sense of it. Yeah, didn't recognize the know? value of it, perhaps. Exactly, Yeah. exactly. So like in high school, I thought I was a rapper. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got bars, you got bars? I had bars at one point. My mom, <laughs> to this day, my mom be like, I wonder why you gave up music <laughs> like that. I'm like, mom, like, I was not a rapper, to be clear. I was not. <laughs> but your mother, but she I, was encouraging you. She was encouraged. She still encouraged me. I got a little Nelly. I'm 32. She like, you could be, you could still be a rapper. 32 year old rapper. <laughs> but I was still, I was making, I was creating. Yeah. You know, and that was the outlet I had. Um, and I and I don't know if I even conceptualize it as like I am an artist, mm. even though I was making art, you know? Yeah. And and that's like also uh, uh, kind of decolonizing that has to happen, you know, so to true. not see rap as art or to not see mm. popular art as art and like yeah. someone who makes popular art not seeing yourself as an artist. You know, you have to go through a sense of decolonizing. Now I'm the opposite. I'm like, Fine art, I'm like, I love fine art, mm-hmm. but I'm like, y'all are kidding y'all. <laughs> like, rap is the art people like. Yeah, yeah. And fine art is the art people uh-huh. don't like. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> if you go to a rap show, it is packed. If you go uh-huh. to a museum, it's a lot of space in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So y'all, y'all not, y'all, people in, in the art world, the design world, they have like this kind of sense of superiority mm. but like humble humble we need to humble yeah, ourselves because yeah. people don't really fuck with us like <laughs> we, we think or, or we 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 hope you know <laughs> yeah well I, I mean i think it's certainly with social media with everything folks who at a certain point were voiceless have so much access to reaching other people, you know? And so it's like, okay, yeah, there might be this this exhibit at this, the museum, but it's like the, um, oh my gosh, the, uh, <laughs> the mural, you know, in Harlem that's across the street from the soul food restaurant might be getting pics in front of it every day you know people post about it instagram over and over over and over and that is actually much more popular and perhaps even more impactful than what's sitting in the moma you know Mm -hmm. so it's so interesting that we're in a time where that uh 
those they both can exist and it is the quote-unquote powers that be that might decide that what's in the moment is more impactful but it's like the people are talking about this mural you know right because the mural the mirrors responds to what the people are going through yeah and i don't think the things at the moment i don't think everything at the moment doesn't respond right right. you know like there are some artists who are capturing like the pulse of the moment yeah you know, and, and it, they may be in the MoMA, they may be on 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 the side of a building in Harlem, but I think that's that's the true uh, measure of your your value as an artist is like, mm. what is are you eliciting this emotion out of people? You know, are they connecting with it? Yeah. If they're not connecting with it, it don't really matter what your your um, Mm-hmm. with the, the museum gallery. So to me, to me, it doesn't matter what the museum gallery system thinks of it, you know? Um, so I, I think I think it's just a matter of like, you know, kind of seeing through the bull and like really focusing on like, okay, w- what, what responds to people, yeah. you know? And how do you yeah. reach into mm. somebody's heart you know, and hold on to it? Or how do you like wake somebody up and be like, oh shit, like I see the world in a different way now. Yeah. And I think people support whatever that is, wherever it is, mm. they support it because you can't, you can't, if somebody grabs your heart. <laughs> right, exactly. You can't deny that. You, go- you can't deny yeah, it. Yeah. You can't walk away. They got your heart, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> you gonna you leave gotta say something it. about it. Nope. No, yeah. 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 Well, I, I hope that, you know, I want people to definitely visit your website and if they, if and when they can see things in person, like get to know your art so they can see and have their hearts captured. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, do you, do you, you can tell us your website, but do you have anything um, coming up that would be in person or yeah, let us know about that. In person. Uh-huh. So my wife and I, co-director of the Black School, Shiny Peters. Uh, we're doing a a um, workshop at um, the New Orleans African American Art Museum. Mm. No, the New Orleans African American Museum. Okay. Um, so that's I'm not 100 percent sure when that is, but it's it's next month. Okay. So it's in May. So if you okay. yeah, if you tap in with the Black School, okay. or um, it's a Saturday in May. Tapping with the Black School, you tap in with uh, Noam Tre- Treme. Okay, you'll you'll be able to see when that is. So that's the in person thing. Yeah, but the digital, the virtual thing um, at the Black School on Instagram. Okay, follow at Joseph Kouye. Yeah, at Joseph Kouye on Instagram. Um, www.dblack.school. Um, no.com. No.org. Dot school, the black dot school. The black dot school. Okay, I've never heard of that as an ending of a website, but the black dot school. Okay, that's that's memorable. So I'm gonna remember it, and I'm gonna go there. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna close out with a quote, and I just want to get your response to this quote. Not I nor anyone else can travel that road for you. You must travel it by yourself. It's not far. It is within reach. 
Perhaps you have been on it since you were born and did not know. Perhaps it is everywhere on water and land. Mm. That's a quote from Walt Whitman. I like Walt Whitman. It goes back to purpose, man. Like you have to go through the process, you know. Maybe you come out the womb and you know, or maybe like you figure it out when you're 21, or maybe you figure it out when you're 51, (laughs) you know. But like you got to figure it out. Like nothing, nothing is going to be a substitute not money, you know, not popularity or fame. Mm. Like if you if you if you confuse, you know, go you can go back to it always, you know. You may have a new job and you're like, uh, what am I doing here? Why did I come here? Yeah. Ask yourself what is your purpose being there, you know? And and what are you trying to get off of it and and be honest about that. And you're gonna be fine. I think we're f- whether it's on water, whether it's on land. Hey, <laughs> yes, uh, and for sure, I think reflection and taking the time to reflect, whether that means journaling, whether that means sitting and thinking, whether that means meditation. I think that's something that, at least when I was growing up, I didn't recognize as really valuable. Is like taking the time to reflect to. Mm-hmm. A reflect on where I am, where I've been, and where I want to go. It was just like, yeah, all right, take care of things. You know what I mean? Whether that was schoolwork, whether it was grades, whether that was getting a job, it was like you got to do, you got to be productive, you got to. But I think, um, you know, pointing to what you're saying about like, how do you figure out purpose? How do you figure out like part of that is really reflecting and taking the time to be intentional about okay, let me see where I am, mm. where I want to go. And what do, what I need to do to get there, you know, and just reflecting on who you are. Yeah, you're giving the tools, like like you said, journaling, just meditating. Uh, I like to chant. That's my way of doing it. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. I, I say like this Hindu chant, um, and it kind of just puts me in the zone. It, it puts me in a meditative state where I can like, you know, clear whatever distractions out my head, um, and do what you're talking about yeah but yeah there's a lot of tools to do it you know it's just a matter of like listening hey you know yes. and the ancestors they'll speak to you i gotta do it. one more time Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. listen and yes the word what you need to hear will be spoken you listen and it will be spoken uh well thank you so much joseph for joining us today and we look forward to hearing more about Black Love Fest, Black School, and your own artwork. And um, yeah, I look forward to once I'm out in New Orleans, whether there's grounds, <laughs> you know what I mean? Hopefully I can come visit in person. Uh-huh. And uh, But if not, we're going to hang out and have we'll some We'll do something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll do something. Exactly. Yeah. But thank you so much. <laughs> a daiquiri. Ooh. All right. I haven't had a daiquiri in a while. So you just said that. And I was like, ooh, I haven't had a daiquiri in a while. Um, but uh-huh. yeah, we'll, we'll go, hang go out. Get on kayak. You know, uh, Google Flights. Yes. Yeah, I appreciate this. This has been fun. You know, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you all for joining us. The 180 is produced by David Treatment with audio production and editing by Mike Luno. Original music composed by Jarrett Landon and sung by yours truly. And digital portraits by Byron McRae. If you like what you heard, tell your friends. We need your help to spread the love and inspiration. Follow us on all social media at The180Pod and visit our website at www.the180pod.com. 
If you want to help support these stories, please consider subscribing to our Patreon. You can get access to chat more with me. You can also get exclusive content, merchandise, and you can hear episodes early. Visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash the180pod. Until next time, I'm your host, Eric Lockley. Take care and be blessed. Know that you'll have a blessing if you just keep on pressing. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around. The 180, yes, it's a big change. The 180, your life won't be the same. The 180, you can do it. Say yes to your beautiful future. The 180, yeah.